You're listening to episode 273 of Sci-Fi TV Rewatch. My name's Dave, and I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Wayne, as we begin our look at the Netflix horror series, The Haunting of Hill House. And, you know, as we always said, Sci-Fi TV Rewatch is sci-fi, supernatural, fantasy, and horror. And outside of our foray into the world of zombie films, we've been a little light on the horror. This is true. But now we're going to establish some horror creds now. Yeah, and, and you know, so far I've only seen the first episode, and and so far I'm I'm kind of liking it. Sure. Now, yeah. uh, we want to remind you guys, as always, emails go to sci-fi tv rewatch at gmail dot com. Go to the website, leave a voicemail using the leave voicemail tab. Record your own audio clip and send it to us if you'd like to do it that way. Tweet us at sci-fi tv rewatch, or join the Facebook group and get into the discussions there. Now, right, right from the start, we want to let you guys know uh, we're operating with a little bit of a time crunch tonight, so we're going to jettison some of the things like news, tip of the week, and you know we'll bring those back, but you know we don't want to skimp on the discussion. So, uh, you know, for a lot of you, you're probably saying, "Gosh, why don't you guys do that every week?" Yeah. So, <laughs> right. But, so, be that as it may, we are here to talk about. Netflix's supernatural show, The Haunting of Hill House. And and I'm nowhere near as big a horror fan as you are. I mean, I, you know, I dip my toe in the waters now and then, but I, I believe you like it a little more than I do. I'm, I'm not like a super huge horror fan. Like, like I, I'm not watching any of the um, uh, marathons have been going on in the last week and everything. But, um, you know, I, I do appreciate the genre, and I like uh, the the well made horror movies. Of course, when I was a kid, um, I loved the you know Halloween and the uh, Friday Thirteenth movies and everything because they're forbidden. So it made it uh, very attractive to watch those movies. Right, uh, but you're keeping up with American Horror Story, right? I have or not. No. I, I dumped. Oh, it. okay. No, I, I stopped a, a couple seasons ago, and it's not because it's it's. Uh, I just didn't like it anymore. Yeah. You weren't feeling Lady know, Gaga, huh? Yeah, well, no, I don't even know if I made it to the Lady Gaga season. I I stopped after Coven, I think. There, there was like the Carnival one and then the one of the witches. I'm not sure which one was last. But whichever those two was the last one, that's that's the one that I, I stopped at. All right, well, speaking of witches, I'm going to have some witchery for you guys and next time if we had more time I, i'd talk about it tonight but i'll just leave you guys in suspense for that but haunting of hill house is a horror series loosely based on shirley jackson's 1959 novel of the same name and the 10 episode first season dropped on netflix october 12th 2018 now i know nothing about this novel my experience with shirley jackson is limited to her short story the lottery which the is lottery, obviously right? a story you know but <laughs> sure. uh i mean do do you know this novel at all not at all okay now uh all 10 episodes are directed by Mike Flanagan, well-known in the horror film arena with credits including Oculus, Absentia, and Gerald's Game. And what I didn't know and know, this is not the Mike Flanagan that pitched for the Baltimore Orioles for That would be years. pretty sweet, though. Yeah. But <laughs> this Flanagan graduated from Towson University. Really? Yeah, well, which is my, my alma mater and your yeah. son's uh, present school. His mother. Uh, 
Yeah, exactly. Uh, now, we're here to talk about episode one, Stephen Sees a Ghost, written and directed by Mike Flanagan. And, you know, for the purposes of this discussion, we're going to jump around a little bit. Obviously, we've got to talk about the characters because a lot of this first episode is introducing each individual member of the family and letting us in on a little bit of their past, a little bit of their present, their their foibles. We don't see enough of Olivia Crane, the mother, Carla Gugino, who right. I absolutely love. Yeah, so she, what, what has she been in? That she, I mean, she looks... A lot of these people looked like really familiar, but I just couldn't place where they are. Who they well, are. Timothy Hutton, of course, plays. Well, I, yeah, uh, I mean, the Timothy father, Hutton right? after that one, <laughs> right? And Henry Thomas plays the younger version. But uh, you know, we've got Stephen Crane, who is the oldest son, an author famous for writing about the family's experiences, and we learn that he's estranged from his wife Lee. So right off the bat, I mean, he seems to be the major character i mean that's probably going to change but what are you feeling about uh, stephen crane in this episode well you know uh we certainly you're right in that he comes off early on as being um you know probably the the main character the the focus here of the episode and you know so we kind of see things through his eyes for a while but as the episode continues you know all of a sudden it's like well maybe he's not so great you know and everything you know the 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 whole thing with the the lady that who's he stays in her husband's room and everything and then Shirley is absolutely appalled that he's going to write this novel kind of exploit uh, a family tragedy in order to make money Um, and she clearly you know says you know if you do this, will be consequences. And he goes ahead and does it anyway. So, and then, you know, like the wife who, you know, in the one scene is defending him because it's earlier and they're together. Now they are, it doesn't seem like they're divorced quite yet. Um, but, you know, she says, you know what you have to say. And then, you know, is that going to happen basically? And then she hangs up. So, I mean, there's clearly Stephen is holding back on something there as well. So, um, yeah, you know, he, it's like like I think all the characters, these not, you know, just straight one thing or another. There's a lot of shades going on there. Well, right, and you mentioned uh the the conversation with Lee his his wife and we don't know if it's his ex-wife or they're just estranged, but as you said at the beginning, she's supportive of him writing the book and and as you said, it does seem to exploit the family, but I'm getting the impression we're going to have bits and pieces of their lives doled out as the series moves forward. So are there extenuating circumstances? He says, I sent you all the book. Well, did he send her a copy of the manuscript and she just never got back to him? Or is this that conversation and she's telling him flat out how she feels? And then later, she said, we don't know what it is he has to say to his wife, but clearly he's focused in the supernatural world. I mean, he, he's got all the gear like we see on these ghost hunter shows on TV. He's got the infrared cameras. Uh, he's doing this interview with Irene Walker, who, whose husband died in a car crash, and she claims that 
her husband came to her the night after he died. And, you know, she goes through all the details, like the water dripping, the car horns and all that, and, and tells him, I haven't slept in the room since then. But then we come to learn, and this, on the one hand, it's kind of a cheesy way of introducing more backstory for Stephen, but, but that's okay. Oh, by the way, you're our favorite author, and, you know, we see him looking at the bookshelf where all of his books are lined up. The Haunting of Hill House, of course, is his first yeah. And, and no one else's, you know, like they just have his books there. Well, right. And her husband, Carl, was a huge fan as well. And then he tells her he's personally never seen a ghost, right. even in Hill House. I think at this point we have to take him at his word. I, I, it, there's nothing else that would make us think he's lying about that, because why would he? Exactly. What reason on earth would he have? to lie about that especially since if anything it damages his credibility as a um, horror author and certainly if he could say i actually saw a ghost that would definitely increase his credibility and his marketability so yeah there's absolutely no reason for him to lie so we we definitely believe that but you know the title's called steven sees a ghost so we know by the end of this he's gonna right right it's just a matter of when so you know of course when um, he goes into the room, I'm like, oh, this is probably when he sees a ghost, you know, but nope. Yep. Now, not that we haven't seen this narrative approach many times before, but I really think the alternating between the adult crane children and then some of their experiences at Hill House really works well. Fred points out, and he's got all the photos, and I'm sure he'll post it on the Facebook group. I think he may already have he, he did, about yeah. the young actor and the and the – did he already do it? He did, yes. Okay. And and again, whether they're taking uh, you know, they nod from dark, it, it's really uncanny what a great job they did. Yep. But it, it as we said, it, it introduces the family members, lays out how they've each processed their experiences as children living in Hill House and also examines their present relationships with each other for instance when he's interviewing irene his phone rings and he looks at it and he sees it's his sister nell and he chooses not to take the call now right. we could say well well he's working he, he he's talking to irene and that's why he doesn't take the call and and he does get back to her later but this does seem to be a common thread among all of the crane children about the uh, they are seemingly estranged from each other. But one of the things that I find fascinating is that Stephen tells Irene that Hill House wasn't the most famous haunted house in America when his family moved in. So did the family bring something with it when they moved in or was this entity already there? Right. Well, that's what we, we don't know. And, and obviously it's called haunting and, you know, apparently – Hugh says how, you know, right after the the, the mother's death, uh, you know, Hugh says that it it was a haunted house or it was a ghost that did or whatever. But th- there's there's definitely something going on there. Um, you know, Nellie sees a lady. There's a lady there. Whether it's a ghost or a real lady, we don't know because there's also like the room that's locked at the top of the stairs that we see the shadow moving behind it. So there's just all kinds of, of um, you know, possibilities as far as what could 
be going on. It's not necessarily, I don't think, um, some kind of ghost. Whatever walked there, walked alone. And fortunately, and I know for you, that opening voiceover from Stephen doesn't last too long. Right. But at the end of the day, we know very little about what happened in Hill House. And certainly, I'm staying away, as I'm sure you are, from reading about what happens in this series. But I see headlines that imply that you know people are fainting, they're throwing up, they're scared out of their mind. Uh, I mean, this first episode was creepy, but I don't know that I would call it scary. Yeah, exactly. Definitely more more creepy than scary. Um, but I think you would, I can't remember what you would, when you would say or how, but you would say that there's some kind of jump moments, you know, where the, we are expecting something to happen. And, you know, um, like, like I think the early one is when, uh, Hugh leaves the twins room and, uh, after she just complained about the bent neck lady. And so basically we see the kid there and we're expecting, we're waiting for the bent neck lady to, to show herself. And then they cut to Hugh flopping down in bed, which is kind of like, right. you know, is a little startling thing. And then, um, you know, when Steven is checking out the water damage in the lady's house, uh, he hears the horn outside and he jumps, you know. So there's like some things that like some minor jumpy type things. But <clears throat> yeah, I, I wouldn't say it was now if I showed this to my youngest daughter, would she be scared? Yes, she'd be scared out of her mind. But um you know, and which ironically is kind of what happens with the younger kids in uh, the Crane family, right? Well, sure. And, you know, you mentioned the horn and, and I can overlook that as a jump scare because he then uses it to explain to Irene what he thinks is actually going on. But I, I believe it's the father. He's going into his closet to get his suitcase to pack his bag. And it's the same thing. And, and we're, they're setting us up that something bad's going to happen. No, he's just getting his suitcase and nothing jumps out yeah. of him uh, from right, the closet. Right. But the other thing that that's, is sticking with me is Stephen King's The Shining, the film. Yes. And I guess because of the house and the house in The Shining seemed to be what was evil. I mean, certainly there were you know things that had happened in that house, but I, I don't want to, make the statement yet that i want to compare this to the shining i mean the shining is arguably one of the greatest horror pieces of fiction and film i think that i've ever seen so yeah well and the, the movie is an absolute classic right yes yes absolutely but i guess because of the house and and again it's not as if we haven't seen the idea of the haunted house before so it'll be interesting to see how they approach it in, in the netflix series now, the second child, because Stephen is the oldest, is Shirley, and she runs a funeral home with her husband. And I'm thinking, all right, of all the jobs, of all the professions you could choose after your experiences in Hill House, right? This is where you go. Yeah, and you know, that, well, let, you know, let's kind of unpack this a little because we see that obviously every w one of these kids is deeply affected by whatever happened at, at Hill House, um, but it seems less so the older they get. 
Stephen is clearly he you know never even saw a ghost. He seems the most distant from it. He doesn't even seem to be really sure what happened. So he seems to be the one who's the most distant from the the trauma of it. Uh, whereas you know Nell and Luke are the the most intensely affected by whatever happened there. And then you know Theo, who seems a lot more you know kind of. I don't say she's messed up, but has, you know, quirks going on. And then Shirley, but yet the the two who are, you know, maybe less affected by it, um, you know, one is a horror writer and the other works in a mortuary, you know, owns a mortuary. So, Right. Now, Nell calls Shirley, who doesn't take her call either. But I guess to be fair, she clearly is in the middle of work and the couple that is there they've got their kid with them and the couple's kid tells Shirley that he sees his dead grandma sitting on his bed now in and of itself is it just another jump scare waiting to happen are they just throwing that in there or is this kid really just missing his grandma and that's how he uh internalizes it that's how he verbalizes i mean we don't know on the one hand i i don't like the fact that they throw that out there well yeah i i think that you know they um it's a little bit of i guess increasing the idea and the possibility that you know that ghosts are an actual thing and that they affect the young especially i guess well yeah and, and certainly that's what we see with uh with Luke and Nell. Now, Shirley immediately calls Stephen, and, and you talked about the relationships and, and how things are unfolding. And the, they're the two oldest, and Stephen doesn't seem too sympathetic about Luke. And of course, she's pissed off that he won't get involved. And uh, the fact that he's not in the same city, no, I'm sorry, he is in the same city. But we, we again, we don't know a lot of the backstory. I mean, we'll, we'll talk about the past at Hill house uh, in a second, but what's unfolding is that there's a lot of dissension among members of the family, particularly at the top. You mentioned Theo, who's the middle child. And, and as you said, she has some quirks, but for my mind, she almost seems the most reasonable but well, we but see- I, well, I think with with the, well, yeah, with, with Theo, I mean, you know, with the gloves and you know the like, she seems she she talks about boundaries and everything. Like, it seems like her main thing is like keeping a distance from everyone. Like, even to the point, like, does she just wear one glove or two? By the way, no, two. Okay, so of you know actually putting on gloves to avoid human contact so is you know i i think even though she seems to maybe have a better grip on the world also the fact is she is crashing at shirley's place and she is does not seem like she's really super able to make a human connection right and is it that she just wanted a one night stand with the girl she picks up at the club. I guess is there something that happened to her as a child at Hill House that's preventing her from opening herself up? Perhaps again, we don't know, but something happened in L.A. We hear that, but we we don't know yet at this point because Theo says 
she hasn't talked to Nell since L.A. She's waiting for an apology. Now, in terms of apologies, I mean, uh, we, we see Stephen return to his apartment and he finds that Luke has broken in and stolen his iPad and his camera. And I love that confrontation scene because to this point, we're, we're seeing Stephen as a bit of a jerk. I mean, not terrible because we don't know the entire story. But it he just seems come, insensitive for sure. Yes. And yet here it is that, you know, he realizes his brother. Now, he doesn't know how badly he damaged his door. He'll find that out in a minute. Yeah. But here he sees his brother with his iPad and his camera. And the first thing he says is, uh, you know, he goes into his wallet. He sucked. You know, here's two hundred dollars. I gotta have the iPad. You can keep the camera and sell it. And not why you're breaking into my house. Why you doing this to me? So really sympathetic towards his brother, who clearly has problems. Come out of rehab, I guess. Uh, the, earlier, it sounded as if, as if he was still in rehab. Uh, clearly, he's in an outpatient uh, mode, I, I guess. But at the end, after that confrontation, Luke hands him the camera as well. Cameras like that, it doesn't look like a digital camera. They're not all that highly sought anymore, so I'm not sure how much money he'd even get for it at a pawn shop. But I, I still think it was meaningful that he, he gave that back and he, and he didn't take it because it really does show that he feels horrible about what he's done here, breaking into his brother's place. Right, but he also says... This isn't what it looks like. It, well, obviously, what it looks like is he's trying to steal Stephen's stuff so he can buy drugs. But he said it's not what it looks like. Um, <clears throat> so I, he says that twice, you know. Um, so I, I found that a, a kind of a curious statement. Now, obviously, pr you know, might be something a, like a you know junkie would say. But also, he's recovered. Like he says, he's got his ninety-day chip, which means he's been you know, sober for three months now. Yeah, so I, I don't discount what what Luke says. I, I think there's something, I think it really is not what it looks like and that maybe Luke actually has a really good reason to be breaking into his brother's place, but he does look ashamed still, you're right. Okay, well, I tend to go with John Harbaugh. You are what your record says you are. So yeah. I, I think it is probably what it looks like, but again be that as it may um you know the middle child we we mentioned is uh theodora theo and while we don't find this out in the first episode i'll throw it out there anyway apparently she is a child psychologist the twins nell who we've been talking about and luke and those two seem to have borne the brunt of whatever it is that happened at hill house more yeah. so than the other three is right. it because well, they they're so be the young? Ones, well, they if if it's ghosts, I, I think yeah, because I think if it's ghosts, like they're the ones who can actually see them, which it doesn't seem like the others can. Like this bent neck lady, um, who we see creeping up behind Nell's bed, and then I guess it's the same lady hanging kind of over Nell or hovering over Nell as she sleeps on the couch. So, you know what is that what what what's the deal there you know 
So, but you know, it, it, but it seems like, and then of course, Luke with all the drawings that um, Stephen's like, what are these things? Like, so Stephen has no clue, but clearly Luke is seeing some girl in the woods, and you know, he draws him with the the, the mouth open and the black inside the mouth, which um, apparently is you know indicative of of what ghosts do. They open up their mouth and scream. There's black inside of it. So it seems like you know, if it is ghosts at work here, that that Luke and Nell are the ones who can actually see them. And so, of course, they're the ones who are super traumatized. Right now, we see the adult Nell call her father, who lives in Jacksonville, and she tells him that Bent Neck Lady is back. And he, I can't remember whether her phone call is what wakes him, but he's in the middle of a bad dream simultaneously with the phone call. And he tells her to go to Stevens. But then we see from the camera shot that she's actually outside Hill House in the middle of the night. So Hill House must be in L.A., I guess. Uh, I don't, I'm not so sure because it seems like a very eastern, like it's old. But of course, they said it was built like 100 years ago, right? Right. So I guess, I mean, it could be, but, it's, like, but we don't know where it is. We, that's the thing. We don't know where Hill House is, right? Right, but as you said, it does evidence. Right, I mean, it does have that Eastern flavor. I definitely agree that that Eastern Gothic New England feel. Yeah, and so, but you know, we know like half the family's on one coast, and well, two fifths are in you know because Shirley and uh, Theo are in Massachusetts, and we know that Stephen and Nell and Luke are all in California. Where Hill House is, I'm. You know, we really haven't gotten evidence of that yet, and I don't like I said, except for just it seems like it because it's so old and everything. It seems like more of an eastern place, but not necessarily though either. It could be out west, but but clearly when she tells Hugh that I'm in my bed in in my house, I mean, well, clearly she's in her car, and then she gets out. She's at Hill House, and now and that's like. You know, which all ties into the end when, when she suddenly appears in Stephen's, you know, apartment. Well, right. And, and you know, the, the father calls Stephen and tells him to go to Nell. And what we really get out of that conversation is that their relationship, father and oldest son, is extremely strained and delicate, almost to the point where, how dare you call me and tell me what to do? Even though, putting that aside, this is my little sister, so uh, I'm, I'm going to give you a hard time, Dad, for whatever it is I perceive you did to me as a child, and I'll go and see what I can do to help my little sister. But then we get that scene where adult Nell is dancing through the rooms of a neglected, spooky, cobwebby hill house, yeah. and then all, all four adult kids wake suddenly at 3.03 a.m., well, twelve oh three out on in uh, on the West Steve. Coast, right? Right, but yep. that's so it's clearly all at the same time. Yes, and then and then Shirley says Nellie's in the red room, right? And and now things are getting a little creepy. In fact, I've yes. got goosebumps now yeah. even thinking about it. And yeah, then, yeah, yeah. you know, you mentioned uh, him seeing Nell in his apartment because after Luke leaves and he goes in the apartment he finds her standing in the middle of the room and, and he talks to her, but she doesn't respond. And, you know, he's given her a hard yeah. time for letting Luke know where he lives. 
and then the phone rings. Oh my gosh! Now, yeah. okay, now we're talking. Right. Well, but even when he, so okay, I I think I, I figured this out pretty quickly because first of all, it's called Stephen sees a ghost, and so we're getting towards the end of the episode. He hasn't seen the ghost yet. He walks in. And you're like, well, what's Nellie doing? Now, of course, again, as I said, we don't know where Hill House is. But the last we saw, she was dancing around in, in her nightdress in Hill House. And all of a sudden, she's in his apartment. Um, and then the phone rang. And when the phone rang and was crackling and staticky, I'm like, oh, snap. Well, there's the ghost he saw. Yep. And then her face turns really creepy. He falls on the yeah. floor and, and, and his father's still on the line. And I think when I was taking notes... That's why I assumed it was in L.A. and I and I should have gone back and taken that out because I, I think that's part of what makes it so frightening is that we realize no Hill House is probably not in L.A. I mean we don't know yet for sure. Right. Um, maybe one of those newspaper articles that we had flashed to us at one point. I guess if we oh, froze frozen the right. picture, I, which I didn't, it, it probably lets us know. But, but uh, I, I think not because I think they're they're definitely you know purposefully not saying where Hill House is at least yet you know okay all right well well let's talk a little bit about the past because you know we've talked about Stephen as an adult but as a young child as a big brother to Luke he's really a good guy I sure. mean uh, I mean we see him in that first scene. He's the one that gets up to comfort his little sister who's being haunted by the bent neck lady, which we don't know whether or not he knows about her. Uh, obviously, father does. We don't know whether or not Luke sees bent neck lady. I mean, they sleep in the same room, right? Uh, yes, but yeah, we don't, right. Uh, they, they, they are in the same room. But there's no indication that Luke has seen the bent neck lady, which is, again, probably goes even more towards people thinking that Nellie is just having bad dreams or seeing things and the bent neck lady not being an actual thing. Right. And I mean, we, we see that Shirley sleep talks, but nothing that seems to be too scary. Now, in retrospect, she says dancing in the red room which we now can, you know, line up with what we you know, learn about Nell. But other than that, it's like, I don't know, you know elephants don't like popcorn or something. Something like that, yeah. <laughs> something kind of silly that the parents have a little laugh over. But she wants to sleep on the couch to avoid Bent Neck Lady, and, and Mom sleeps with her. And then, of course, the the scene you were mentioning a minute ago, Mom wakes up and goes back to her own room, we assume, and then Bent Neck Lady seems to be hovering over her. So the fact that we see Bent Neck Lady while Nell is still asleep, does that indicate that Bent Neck Lady is real? Well, yes. Yeah. <clears throat> you know, it, it could. I mean, there's you – know, I have – some ideas as to i think because all right because all right so let, let's this ties in with the whole idea of the mother being crazy right like the, apparently she was insane and she killed herself but yet from what we see of the mother olivia right in, yeah in, in this episode is there is absolutely zero indication that she's insane at all 
No, she's a but, great mother by all indications. Yeah, exactly. So, so then does she become like possessed by some kind of spirit or is she really crazy where like, you know, she has something in the one hand, she's the, the perfect mom, she's wife and she's great. On the other hand, she's some crazy lady running around with her neck cock scaring the crap out of her kids, you know, or is it, you know, just a bed neck lady's literally a ghost that somehow haunts the kids and drives Olivia to suicide. Like there's, I mean, at, at this point there's just who, who knows, right? I'm not up on my entities and what these uh, supernatural beings are actually allowed to do. I mean, where are Sam and Dean when you need them, right. um, you know, can these beings physically manifest themselves? So in other words, could this supernatural being, literally killed olivia to make it seem as if she killed herself so i mean i don't know and now the other cool thing is when mr dudley and you know we get a uh you know we get a an introduction to mrs dudley as well but he's found a key and we learn about that locked room that the kids are fascinated with and and what kid isn't fascinated by a locked room and and, you know to talk about the house for a second it really is a beautiful house oh yeah it's gorgeous it appears that the crane parents buy homes refurbish them sell them for a profit move on to the next house that that's how they earn a living and i would assume they've been in hill house for a while or it was in pretty darn good shape when they took it over like it does exactly it looks like the house like the library the the shelves are fully stocked with books like the only time that we see them actually working on it is trying to clear out the flue of the chimney so yeah either they've been there a while and they've they're almost done or um or they got this place and it was already pretty much you know there wasn't much that they had to do right because you wonder why if they've been there a while you would leave the fireplace to last because now maybe it has central heating and the fireplaces, you know, like in my house, or I don't know if you have a fireplace in your house, but uh, just kind of an additional way to heat. But that key to the locked room, it doesn't work, but uh, is it Nell, I think? Yeah, Nell claims to have seen a shadow move under the doorway and, and heard something. And of course, her sister sort of tells her, nah, you're probably wrong but we see that shadow move so something yeah. is in that room probably not a pony um i doubt very much as a pony that'd be right. pretty cool for the kids if it were but unfortunately it's something probably uh nefarious creepy or uh, all of the above all right <laughs> although i think it's theo that's that's with nell says if it was a pony it's probably dead by now but then we get that event. Yeah, is that Theo or Shirley? I wasn't sure. Which I'm one not I sure. I, I can't remember. Yeah. But the event that really sets everything in motion that now knowing what we know probably occurred at 3.03 a.m. So whether that's the time that they find their mother, did she hang herself? I mean, the whole bent neck lady thing seems to maybe imply that that she hung herself but we don't know but but 303 must be that point in time father comes in to get stevie and he's obviously frightened at something and they're going to make a run for it 
And then we get that scene where the door handle starts turning oh my one God. way. And then yeah. it goes now back that, the that's other That's like way. probably the most legitimately creepy scene in, in the in the episode, I think. Right. But, and then he tells Stevie, keep your eyes shut. I'm going to carry you. And then, of course, as soon as they get out the door, he puts them down. <laughs> but that be that as it may. What doesn't he want Stevie to see? Well, the lady in the white nightdress chasing him. Okay. Like a now, crazy person. Okay, is that their mother? May, uh, poss- maybe, possibly. Okay. I don't now, know. So, so they get out to the car and the other kids are already there. Luke says he saw Abigail at the window. So who's Abigail? Oh, is that Lisa? Uh, yeah, I don't know. I didn't catch that one. Right. And, and then, of course, their mother's not with them and the kids are freaking out. You know, we can't leave mom. We can't leave mom. And he says, that's not mom. And drives away, and we see her figure, we assume, in, in that window there. Which then leads us into that custody hearing, or, or it's, it's, we don't actually see the hearing. We see his meeting with his lawyer. And he is firm about the fact that the kids will not testify, which his lawyer tells him is going to make his case weaker. So why did he pack up his kids at 3 in the morning is he being accused of murder of his wife? Right. I mean, we don't know if he is. Clearly, he either is out of prison now, but he, you know, he obviously has his freedom as uh, an adult in 2018. But the fact that he won't sell the house and keeps the gates and doors locked at all time, to me, that sends the message that he's convinced there's something evil in this house that he's not going to allow anybody else to have to confront. Yeah, absolutely. Well, but the Dudleys, right? The Dudleys yeah, have the to Dudleys. stay. You well, know? They don't have to. See, that's the thing. I wonder if it's that they want to stay. And while we don't see that conversation between Mr. Crane and the Dudleys, the fact that he says the Dudleys stay on, it sits there and rots. Yeah. Because, I mean, he can't compel the Dudleys to stay there. Right. Yeah, I, I, I misspoke by saying that. But, yeah, I mean, the, yeah. in other words, you know, no one can go there except for the Dudleys. Right, right, right. And the police. And then, right, and then we find out that staff haven't lived in the house since 1948. We, I mean, we get that conversation with Mrs. Dudley and Stevie at the uh, breakfast table, and, and we learn that she's a Christian believer, and, and you know maybe we won't even take it a few notches uh, further in in terms of her religious fervor. But interestingly, the parents expose the kids to all the major world religions, and Stevie starts spouting off all he knows, quoting Shakespeare, which obviously you gotta love. But yep. mom's looking for Luke. Stevie mentions the treehouse, and Mom's like, "No." Nah. <laughs> apparently, that's where Luke always is. Yeah, yeah. Well, and we can see why because the treehouse is open and brightly lit, and you know, just the absolute complete opposite of Hill House. Yeah, it's his refuge, and you were talking about his drawings earlier, mm-hmm. which are are creepy and you know borderline disturbing. But it also, you can see how Luke 
from what we see, because we don't see much of him either as a kid or as an adult, but certainly in this scene as a kid, he's just like kind of a normal kid. He doesn't seem to be traumatized and, you know, not unlike that kid drawing on the, you know, at, um, at Shirley's mortuary. Right. Right. That they're both kids who kind of like take it in stride. Oh, my grandmother comes at night and strokes my hair. Oh, I see people in the woods who's, you know, again, like right now, we just don't really know what, what this adds up to, but certainly as a kid, Luke doesn't seem to be as affected by, or if he is, he's internalizing it and not sharing it. Whereas Nellie is, you know, more um, vocal about, you know, her trauma. Right. And, and I mean, Stephen's playing the good big brother. He's interested in, in why his brother is drawing the things he's drawing. And when he helps him make that sign that says no girls allowed, our first thought is that he's referring to his sisters. But then he tells him that drawing one is some girl I saw by the woods. So now I'm wondering whether ah. no girls allowed are, are yeah. these these images these visions whatever they are that that he sees yeah i didn't Uh, think that before but that's a good point right uh you know and then we get that one flashback to when steven was getting ready to publish the first book that you were talking about earlier he insists that the mother was mentally ill but he makes the point that their father won't speak of anything that happened even though the father believes something did happen and and certainly everything's very mysterious at this point you know for a first episode of a series like this that has 10 episodes i'm feeling pretty good about the series at this point right well especially so i'll actually admit that i did not get off on the good foot with this episode to start because i tried to watch it this past friday night and i don't know um so i was trying to watch this and uh episode one of, of daredevil season three and neither of them were like i guess everyone else in america was trying to watch those two shows as well and they you know it would run for like 10 minutes and then all of a sudden it would cut out and it would start buffering and so i was just so mad and so i only got i was on before i gave up i was only able to watch like 20 minutes and i was just like i hate this show it's stupid it's cliche uh and then uh the next day i was able to watch the whole thing i'm like oh okay that was actually pretty good (laughs) but especially when they get to the point where the uh mrs dudley is and this is what i like about ghost stories this is like when i was a kid i would read ghost stories because what i liked was the the kind of the backstory right like there's some kind of backstory here uh, of the actual, the original Hill family that lived there, who seems like they were like some real, real weirdos. Um, not that if you have tarot cards and Ouija boards, it doesn't make you a weirdo, but it seems like they kept the place dark, right? And they were yeah. always in the dark there, and they, and they were into the occult. And so there is definitely a backstory that is obviously going to be part of the uh, the rest of the series um, so I'm looking forward to that because that's always kind of like the part of the ghost story that I like, the, the creepy backstory that is why the ghost is here now and everything. Okay. All right. Well, why don't we hold it there and get to Fred's feedback? You know, we'll 
address some of his questions. So here's Fred from the Netherlands back at home. Hello, Dave and Wayne. This is Fred from the Netherlands with feedback for The Hunting of Hill House, Season 1, Episode 1. First off, last week I gave feedback for Primeval, Season 1, Episodes 5 and 6, and I said, I got that intrigued by Helen's story that I possibly would watch the first episode of Season 2. And Dave told me something similarly. And Dave, did you watch? And if yes, what did you think of it? Well, I did, and I was quite disappointed. I won't go into details because I don't want to spoiler anybody. I just want to say that they didn't pick up the Helen storyline. Perhaps they will do this in the second or third episode of this second season. Furthermore, they took a kind of new timeline, and I'm not sure about if I like that. You both gave the season one finale a straight A. I agree it was a good episode, and it motivated me to watch the premiere of Season 2, but I think a straight A was still a bit too much for me. Okay, about The Hunting of Hill House, Season 1, Episode 1. As said in the previous podcast, I'm not much of a horror guy. In horror movies I sometimes really can get the shivers, or really are startled. If a movie or series can have this physical effect on me, It is of course an indication that it's done very well. But I don't enjoy these physical effects. Just like having a roller coaster ride and being nauseous for half an hour afterwards. No thanks. I prefer being amazed, puzzled, intrigued. But okay, sometimes you have to go out of your comfort zone. Two factors pulled me over the threshold. Michiel Huisman, the Dutch actor and Sci-Fi TV Rewatch doing a podcast about it. The first time I encountered Michiel Huisman was in a Dutch hospital series about interns. He played the macho, irritating colleague of the lead female intern. This series aired between 2007 and 2010 in the Netherlands. In my mind, it was much longer ago. Michiel was 26 at the beginning and 30 at the end at that time, playing somebody about five years younger than he really was. When I'm looking back and realize that this is only eight years ago, I have to say that his career development into a respectable American actor is just rocket. I don't know if you hear any foreign accent in his English. I, even being Dutch, don't. Okay, watching The Hunting of uh, Hill House, I immediately had two associations watching this first episode. The first association was with American Gothic, an influential Boston family that has to redefine itself following the discovery that their recent deceased patriarch could have been a serial killer. Suspections arises that one of them may have been uh, his accomplice. It is also about a somewhat larger ship, just like here in in this series, where you constantly have the feeling who is the good and who is the bad. It also has flashbacks to their youth. American Gothic got just one season. One of the lead characters is played by Anthony Starr, who also plays Sheriff Lucas Hood in Banshee. Did one of you watch either of these series? So American Gothic or Banshee? The second association I had was with Dark. 
especially because the kind of very nice typecasting of the younger and older versions of the Crane family. I think Netflix does a very good job uh, in this kind of typecasting, whether it is in the US or in Germany. Doug Crabtree made a very proper remark on the Facebook page. He said, I like this as opposed to aging them with makeup. And I fully agree. But the typecasting should be believable. And I think they are here as in dark. And we extensively discussed that, of course. At BuzzFeed, there were a nice comparison of the younger and older versions of the Crane family. But I also posted them on the Cyber TV Rewatch Facebook page. Okay. I want to start with a nitpick. In my opinion, the director uses one type of camera shot way too much. This is the type of shot where somebody is laying in bed and the camera position is from the side, at more or less the same height as where the person is laying. This makes it creepy because you can't see if there is somebody next to them on the other side. And sometimes there is, sometimes there is not, and sometimes we don't know. This is a minor point in the sense of filming. On the other hand, there were some very nice shots in the sense of lighting and scenery as well. I mention a few. The staircase in the library. Theo with a martini glass uh, at the club. Stephen and Mrs. Walker in front of the window when he gives his conclusion of his analysis. And the last one, young Stephen and Luke in the treehouse. Okay, what about the story? I find it intriguing and want to know more. I did watch American Gothic and I think this will be much better, better plot and story-wise. This series has a 9.0 on IMDb, whereas American Gothic has a 6.8. Of course there are, as it should be, quite some questions. 1. Why is Theo wearing these hand gloves? 2. What will happen with Nell? According to Yu's phone call to Stephen, she's dead. And the next episode is called Open Casket. Is she really dead? And if yes, will we see her as some kind of ghost? 3. Why did all these siblings simultaneously w- woke up at 3 and 3 minutes a.m.? Reaching for their throats, and why does Shirley say, Nelly is in the red room? Four, is this red room the room Shirley and Nelly couldn't open? So the top room in the the library? Five, who or what is in that room anyhow? We saw shadows move under the door. Six, why is there no personnel staying in the house anymore since 1948? What happened in that year? Seven, is Olivia really crazy? As Stephen says to Shirley when they are talking about the permission for his book. From what we have seen of her, I don't get that impression. For instance, the night Nelly is afraid, uh, she sleeps next to her on the floor. And when she is talking to Mrs. Dudley, I don't have an impression she's crazy. 8. What happened to the Hills family? 9. Is it the house that did something with the grains? Or is there something special about them anyhow? 10. What is wrong between Stephen and his wife, Lee? Why is saying just one thing enough to make everything okay again? 11. What happened to Luke that he got so derailed? And 12. Biggest question of all. 
Stephen is a man of knowledge and science. He nicely explained everything at Mrs. Wilson's house. Will he be able to do the same at the end of this season or at the end of the series for his own family story? Greetings, all the best, Fred from the Netherlands. All right, well, in terms of American Gothic and Banshee that you mentioned, I haven't seen either, but just from the the little bit you describe, I, I can certainly... Uh, see the connection and the camera angles that's definitely not something i noticed and and fred uh, has got all sorts of photographs documenting that but why don't we jump to fred's questions and he's got uh quite a few of them but the first is why is theo wearing these hand gloves well she mentions that she's a germaphobe so that i think pretty much i don't think it has anything to do you know what I, I I take it at least symbolically as part of this you know distancing of herself from the rest of humanity. Um, I love that line when Shirley says, "You're like a guy, even worse, you're like a frat guy." You know, because <laughs> yeah. she has she hooks up and then she goes, to the "Girl, she's like, all right, see ya." You know, and then when she sits down with Shirley, she's like, "Oh, that girl had a whole bunch of issues." It's like. What are you talking about? You barely talked to her. You had sex and you kicked her out. Like, you, like so, I mean, obviously they could have been talking at the bar and everything earlier, but, um, but you know, it's Theo goes out of her way to avoid actual contact. And like, so the gloves there to me are at least symbolically more of her refusing to have contact with other people. Okay. I, I like that. that. Deeper meaning. Now, Fred asks what will happen with Nell because according to Hugh's phone call, she's dead. Uh, next episode's called Open Casket. Is she really dead? Will we see her as some kind of a ghost? I'm operating at this point under the assumption she is really dead and that, yes, we will see her as an adult, as a ghost. Well, we at just least, we already did. Well, right. But, I mean, will we continue in the series? Yeah. And, and, uh, and I gotta, I, yeah, I tend to say yeah. Yeah. Uh, why do all the siblings simultaneously wake at 330 uh, at 3.03 a.m. reaching for their throats? And why does Shirley say Nellie's in the red room? And, and then he goes on to his next question. Is the red room the room Shirley and Nellie couldn't open? Uh, you know, at first, I didn't think it was. But the more I think about it and, and, you know, Fred bringing it up here, I'll bet that is true. That is the room they couldn't open. The, as to the 3.03 a.m., again, that's, I got to believe, the point in the evening when the father's ushering them all out of the house and into the car. So what it is that happened at 3.03, we don't know for sure at this point. Or, or that's the or that's when Nellie died, maybe, or something. Well, uh, I, I, Fred mentions, I, I did notice that they all were kind of like gasping for breath, reaching for their throats when they woke up. And so what's that all about, right? Right, right. Um, but yeah, I, I do know, believe I the red room is the room they couldn't open too. Um, I didn't notice that the first time around I missed that. But on the second time when they were trying to get in the door, I'm like, oh, the door is red. Oh, I bet you that's the red room. So I don't know if it is or not, but I would tend to think that, yeah, it kind of is. Yeah, because we've got to believe at some point they do get it open. Sure. As to what's inside and, and Fred, you know, mentions who or what's in that room. You know, we see the shadows. 
Don't know. Uh, obviously, that's one of the, the big mysteries at this point. Why is there no personnel staying in the house anymore after 1948? What happened in 1948? Now we're right. getting that kind of a dark feel right. to the, it. The backstory, right? Yeah. So, I, you know, Fred, I, I don't know at this point, but clearly something happened in 1948. I start doing the math. It's like, all right, so 33 years after the yeah. was 80. <laughs> all right. Is Olivia really crazy, as Stephen says to Shirley when they're talking about permission for his book? Because from what we've seen of her, I don't get that impression. And that's exactly what you were talking about Mm -hmm. earlier. I mean, we don't see her a ton. We see her sleeping with Nell like a good mother would do. We see her, uh, you know, in the uh, kitchen when, when Stephen's talking to Mrs. Dudley. But, I mean, there's nothing that would really indicate that she's got mental issues. Right. But you know, like, again, we don't know. Like, so, I mean, clearly we're meant to think at this point, I mean, obviously they want us to think, well, she's definitely not crazy. So it must be a ghost, but I'm leaving open the possibility that somehow maybe she really did have mental issues that we just haven't seen in those scenes. Because I think, especially if that's her, uh, as Hugh is trying to get Steven out of, of the house, and that is her in the white dressing gown chasing them. Uh, she clearly did not seem to be in her right mind there. Right. But of course, also, if Stevens takes her kids, that might be part of it, too. So I don't know. Well, what happened to the Hill family? Is it the house that did something with the cranes or is there something special about them? Anyhow. As to what happened to the Hill family, obviously, we don't know at this point. I'm going with the idea that there's nothing special about the cranes that it's the house and it's the house that did something to them he he gets on to ask about what happened to luke that he got so derailed i gotta believe that sleeping in the same room with nell who has seen the bent neck lady and then when we look at all of luke's drawings that maybe those are the two that really saw what was really going on in this house more so than anybody else. Right. Well, and, you know, I I think also maybe metaphorically we say in in any dysfunctional family situation, everyone's going to come out of it traumatized. But, you know, the youngest, I think maybe sometimes, and I don't know because I'm not a psychologist or anything, but it seems to me uh, the youngest ones who don't really understand what's going on can come out to be the most traumatized by it because, you know, and they're combined with feelings of not understanding with also feelings of guilt, thinking they're, they're at fault. And it's their, so I am kind of leaving open the possibility here that, that it's very little to do with actual, um, what did he call it, uh, paranormal and, and not, uh, you know, like, like there's actual, as Stevens suggests, that there's, you know, scientific reasons for, for most of what's going on here. Right. And and Fred's last question, which he terms the biggest question of all, how is Stephen going to scientifically explain what it is that has happened? And I guess you could make the argument that his whole life has been about trying to make sense of the experiences that they had in Hill House, even though he almost seems proud of the fact that, no, I've never seen a ghost so right. with all his gear, as I said, something like we'd see on a uh, 
science or history channel show about ghost hunters um, you wonder what it is he's actually seen he's probably seen more than those shows <laughs> those shows are yeah. the biggest disappointment i think i've ever <laughs> yeah 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 they're not good well they never find anything you know I right, mean, yeah but fred thanks as always great questions and and you know fred as you said and i'm sure you're not the only one that's feeling that you're not really a horror guy you're more of a time travel uh, mm-hmm. the expanse or killjoys or any of a number of other space oriented stories or parallel universe you know something that we really all love but you know as fred as you admit you gotta sometimes come out of your comfort zone and and so far I- i'm liking what i'm seeing and you know if that yeah. changes then we'll reevaluate as we go along but uh anything else you want to throw out there I think, you know, just there's a lot of classic horror stuff in here. You know, we got, obviously, the the big creepy house. Uh, we've got the creepy, well, you know, like, you know, Mr. Dudley doesn't seem so bad. But, of course, Mrs. Dudley is is pretty, a little odd. And so the, the, the creepy staff that knows about the, the history of the place and, um, you know, they're a little weird. You know, uh, the, I, we talked about the, the obligatory gotcha kind of shots that make you jump a little bit and uh the history and everything so there's some very classic horror movie elements going on here uh, i guess that's why i am you know suspecting that maybe the supernatural the paranormal is not necessarily going to uh, be as big a part of this despite the fact that we you know clearly saw a ghost um or or did he though i guess because it's so there's so many typical horror movie supernatural things in here i'm wondering if this is all just a kind of you know slip one bias i guess a little bit so i don't know all right i guess we'll see all right well we'll go ahead and leave it there And that's going to do it for this episode of Sci-Fi TV Rewatch. We want to thank you for joining us. Love to hear what you think about Haunting of Hill House, Dark, Travelers, which is just uh, maybe a month or two away. Encourage you to join the Facebook group. Share your thoughts with the Sci-Fi TV Rewatch community. And if you're already a member, spread the word. Emails, as always, go to Sci-Fi TV Rewatch at gmail.com. Voicemails can go via the SpeakPipe tab, which you can get on the website. And we'll be back next week to take a look at episode two of Netflix's horror series, The Haunting of Hill House, titled Open Casket. But until then. So, Dave, the next week, you know, uh, I'll need to take some liberties. I always do. <laughs>